0: Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Who Writes This Stuff, a podcast instated by the Louisiana Parks Department to teach preteens about the dangers of hang gliding. My name is Nick Flora, and this week my guest is Aaron Robinson, who is a singer-songwriter in Nashville and a former frontman for the bands Imaginary Baseball League and Young Professionals, which are two pretty amazing bands, if I say so myself. Uh, Aaron and I have been friends for a while now, um, but before that, before we really knew each other he was one of my favorite songwriters already uh he has he's had an interesting ride through music and being in bands and 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 songwriting and has some cool stories and and fascinating takes on the creative process but why am i blabbering on about it you can listen for yourself right now on this podcast yeah this one here's my conversation with aaron robinson
1: Way that guy's name is. I mean, that's my problem, I think. What is that? My, I think my problem is that I that my name is Aaron Robinson. There are 800 of me. Well, there's a
0: baseball player,
1: baseball oh, player. There there's um, the guitarist for Seawolf. There is a writer for Car and Driver magazine. Who is Seawolf? Uh, they had a like a sort of an indie uh, kind of college radio hit few like maybe three years ago. Um, okay, but um, I learned that. Um, that guy I think might hate me because um, I guess he might probably get Google alerts also and always learning about always learn about my exploits.
0: Yeah. As well as the guy what's this would... other Aaron up yeah. to Like you're I'll... probably doing better than him. Well, according and, and, or making better music than him, and he. Well, won't... I'm also playing better high school
1: basketball than him. I'm doing better camcorder and technology technological uh, yeah. device reviews on YouTube than him. I mean, yeah. Our, if I'm a look, better African American than he is.
0: If, if you look up Aaron Robinson on YouTube, isn't isn't it? Like a uh, high school basketball player or something. I dunk all the time on YouTube. <laughs> I dunk
1: all the time on YouTube, and I um, I review a lot of camcorders.
0: <laughs> well, dr- looking directly into the camera. Um, I don't know. Actually, this one is the uh, Nikon six forty eight. It's, it's all right, I guess.
1: But this one, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what camera he's actually using to to record himself. I mean, myself. Yeah, you don't know. You I, have don't know. Log I don't know. I don't remember. You I can, do a lot of things, Nick. You'll learn at the meeting of the errands. I'm into a lot of things. We have a Facebook group.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: there's the, the multiple Aaron, Robinson, Aaron Robinsons. The Aaron Robinson Facebook group. Um, well, I don't really keep up with those guys. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, who has time? Right. Exactly. <laughs> there's no time. Aaron Robinson, you're in my house. Thanks, Hi. Thanks for. Thanks for coming. Thanks for inviting me over. This part of the house
1: um, would have actually been the outdoors before.
0: It would have. Uh, about uh, I'd say nine months ago, this was the outdoors. So. That's when you called up Bob Vila and said, podcast studio. I know. Right here. I was thinking about Bob Vila the other day, because before TLC made Carpenters all sexy, uh, I remember the only two Fix-It shows that were on were Bob Vila and then uh, This Old House with that Norm guy, who was yeah. the opposite of sexy. Right. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, then they had to go and make them like, I wonder if those views are just pissed. That, I think it was Tim Allen.
1: Oh, who made? The, who brought the I sexy mean, into? Yeah, he brought sexy into a, uh, into a
0: carpentry and theme songs. What was it carpentry? What was his? Was he? No, no, he, no was, he was a, a car guy. He was a car guy. But you're he right. he did everything on the show though. On tool time, they kind of they, no, they did a little everything. He messed around with everything. They made okay. a man's kitchen once and a man's bathroom. Both of those were during sweeps week of because they were like people love man's kitchen. Well. I know. That's just a little inside. Uh, that's good. For a network television. Your program. pop culture,
1: you, you, your finger has been on the pulse of pop culture for a very long Way time. Way too long.
0: Much better <laughs> than that. That's
1: what I was going to say. Much much better than that. I know. I just watch depressing stuff like, um, <sighs> like heavy. Oh, is that about <laughs> fat people? What are you trying to say? Fat people? Is that what you, is that what you want to call them? Okay. I'm, I'm, it's about fat, fat people.
0: Fat, it's about um fat oh what's the word gro- fat hey, fat fatties grossly obese people there we go
1: <laughs> that sounds way lovelier. <laughs> um i don't know you know i, I watch that stuff I, I mean it's kind of depressing you know the the intervention and all that stuff i can't like, watch it i i definitely have reached a point where i just i basically just watch sports i'll be honest with you
0: yeah I mean, I, know you do. I just I, I follow you on Facebook. Well,
1: it's the be- it's it's the most uh, it's the it's it's a live reality show at all times. You know what's going to happen. true. And as long as you can tolerate a little bit of jockishness, um, then I don't know, it's it, it's pretty interesting. The the drama and the soap opera of it all is pretty fascinating to me.
0: In Tina Fey's new book, she's she says uh, she says somebody asked her why Thirty Rock is the most racist show on television, and she said that she thinks that sports is because why are they portraying all those all those football players as murderers and rapists or something. Like <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny.
1: Yeah, this is true. They, they they're
0: There's really... a lot of drama in it even just on the field though.
1: You're right. As you as I am sure you know
0: I firsthand. I don't know. I'm taking all. you about I'm taking you to a, a sports bar some some Sunday. I'll be terrified. I once I think when I was in 7th grade, I really wanted St. Louis was my team in baseball and mm. I, and they got the Rams and I really wanted to I was like I got I can be in the Ra- into the Rams into football now. And so I bought a Jerome Bettis jersey. Oh the bus. Was two sizes too big for me. Of course they all work. And then I wore it one day to school. <clears throat> First guy I walked in when I walked into the door I got made fun of and I I, I had an undershirt underneath and I took it off, put it in my locker and I was like, I'm done. Aw That's how impressionable I mean you know it's seventh or eighth grade, like you're super all I, I all I wanted to be in junior high was ignored. I wanted to I didn't want any attention. And so I weird. Just, Yeah, it was really weird. That's really weird because you play on stage and stuff. Well, yeah, it, it, the shift came in later. Yeah. Like when I first started playing guitar, it kind of was like nobody else in my grade played guitar, so it was kind of a cool thing to do.
1: I had a similar moment and it, my mom was always was always a singer, so um for and my cousin who also sang I was a bartender at a bar in Chattanooga and she, um, let me into this bar. I even mean, though I was, I was 15, I think. And, um, <laughs> that's, that's legal. And I went to the, yeah, 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 But I mean, it was like one of those like kind of like, I, don't, I almost, almost want to call it like middle-aged meat market type bar. Like where it was like, not just middle-aged people, but it was, it was weird. I, I actually, nobody cared that some woman brought their son in there. Like they just didn't care. <laughs> and, um, they, it was a karaoke bar, but it was like one of the, I don't even know that there are bars like this anymore. I, I don't really go do karaoke anymore. Although it's, I think it's a total blast.
2: Yeah, it um, is.
1: The, the, they, I did a, I put my name in for karaoke. I'd never sung in front of anybody before, and that, and was actually terrified of it, especially in front of my family. I didn't want to do it, and I did, uh, I did Brown Eyed Girl. I did a very scat happy version of Mister Jones. I That's did nice. uh, scat right, happy. Right, I mean, I did like some version that I had heard once, so it was like the lyrics were all different,
0: and people were like, "What?" Really confused. Probably the live version. One of the many randomly live pick a live version. Exactly. There's and, a different version.
1: And then I did um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers "Soul to Squeeze," and I forgot about the rap part in the middle of the song. And then <laughs> so I you had to do it. Shlamadama ding, the ding, the yeah. yeah, I just looked at the thing and just looked at it. Looked at the words go by really fast. And, uh, and but, you're like, I want to do this. I want to do this for the rest of my life and unhappily. So- and so I went straight home, and I started a, I grew a ponytail, and I started a Christian band called Union Street, and the rest is history.
0: And that's how we know you today. That's right. That, that's the, the lead singer of Union Street. <laughs> yep. I've been trying to get you on. I was at that bar as a nine-year-old. No, we're not that far apart. Uh, Wait, you're fifteen. I was fifteen. Did you play any instrument? No. My, uh, my dad's
1: first wife actually my, my half brother and half sister's um mother who are mm. my half brother and half sister are like 10 ish years older than me or, and more she gave me my first guitar like a classical guitar and i think i may have had it at that point but i, I, I was playing bass lines on it yeah i remember like yeah. one of the first things that i learned how to play was the bass line to bob marley's no woman no cry i was like it, it, i thought that rest i could play peace. guitar yeah rest Probably. in peace that's right um let me pour a little bit of my water out
0: don't please don't do it. Uh, okay, it's I new to, carpet
1: um but yeah, I couldn't play guitar at all. I mean, and it took me, it took, it actually took me singing in the, that band and trying to play guitar and having the guitar player in the band um, kind of tell me that I was bad <laughs> repeatedly. At singing? I think the first song I ever wrote was called Planet Suck, which was about this fictional uh, planet where I resided. Right. Um, and where I couldn't play the drums, the guitar, I couldn't do anything. And that was pretty much the theme of the song. <laughs> and I played drums with a chopstick on it, I think, on the recording. Okay. Because the dude wouldn't leave his, he left his drums at my house, but he wouldn't leave his drumsticks because he didn't want me to touch them. Like, that's that's the kind of world I lived in. So I decided to rise above and become a little more self-sufficient.
2: I've got a lot of things I'd like to change, but there are a lot of notes outside my range. You were titty twisting all the chubby kids I was in the corner behind my eyelids Praying that you'd pass by
1: My new international fan base in the Philippines is really going to be wigged out by
0: this interview. Yeah, talk about that. Uh, how did you come to have this this fan base in the Philippines? Well, that's a long story, and I don't want to make this whole podcast g- about it. Give, give a short version I'll of it g- because there there are longer versions on the internet of it. Like, there's, yeah, you can. Search I'll, I'll put this a out. link on the site yes. to like there is an article about the this, national scene. I, I, yeah, that's I, just the beginning of the story. But okay. basically, yeah.
1: The, 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 the short version of the story is uh, one day I got a comment on a youtube video that i had and it was from a guy that said he'd heard my song at a at somewhere that i didn't recognize the name and i was like what is this thing that you speak of and, it, and he's like well i'm kind of embarrassed to say but it is a porn site and so i'm like, Are you talking
0: about pornographic porn is in pornographic okay. naked okay humans oh, oh, oh okay, okay sorry do it on camera. I, sometimes so they, people on the internet don't know what that is they I don't, don't. They don't. It's not the most searched word. They're it's just going to Bible.com.
2: Like, they are. Oh, they're doing,
1: that's all they're doing. <laughs> they have their RSS feed set to yeah. Bible.com, and that's all they do. <laughs> that's all they um, Okay, so... What's the name of... What's the song? Do you mind saying? It's called The Elephant. Okay. And um, it has... The phenomenon happened... Like, you know, I, I found it was on this website, and I went to the website, and I saw what it was, and it, you couldn't really see anything. It was like a pay website. So I was like, you know, whatever. Um... I, I, I was kind of bummed out, though. I was like, did they steal this? Like, I don't know how this happened, um, but I realized that, I remember that like a year before, maybe not even a year before, I had signed up with an online licensing service. Mm-hmm. Anyways, long story short, this company had licensed the song illegally. It ended up being... Legally. Legally. Okay. Yeah, sorry, it's, it can sound like illegally, but I, I, it was to the tune of like, it's like a $99 license. I think I made like $30-something dollars on this thing. Um, which who cares about the money? The, mm-hmm. the, the exposure is amazing. Um, so <laughs> obviously, I, I contacted the company. I was like, I did not know that there's any chance this, that one of my songs was going to be in porn. Like this is a problem. And they're like, well, sorry, you you know, you signed up saying that we could you know license your stuff out to whoever wanted it. And I'm like, yeah, but who thinks? Yeah, it's going to go in porn.
0: <laughs> Japanese car commercial, like, you know, international yeah. is yeah. fine, but you never, yeah. I, I mean, I have, have a friend
1: that's got, had, used the same company and has, the, he's got, he, his music has been used as score material in like foreign documentaries.
0: Yeah. PBS thing. It's kind yeah. of best case scenario. Yeah. You're kind no. of the, the other end the of
1: the... The first and only <laughs> use of my music from the service has been this. <laughs> so, so basically, um, I contacted the company, the, the, the company uh, that licensed it. Not, not the actual porn company, but the company. Um, that I worked with and said, what can we do about this? Anything at all? I mean, I know you can't... It's like, well, they've already paid for the license no, but we'll try and get them to take your name off of it because I was like, my name's on it? Whoa. So that's when I found out that the beginning of the video starts and I've since seen the video. Mm-hmm. The, the, like you, it starts out and it's like the name of the video, the name of the actress and, and who apparently is one of the top five adult film stars in the
0: world. Isn't it an American made film? Yes. Okay.
1: It is. So like, um... So like it says the, and then it says music by Aaron Robinson. I was like, oh wow. So so then um finally um, <laughs> Maybe it's
0: the the dunking Aaron Robinson. It could
1: be things? the Camcorder reviewing <laughs> one. Um Probably, I think it's that guy from Seawolf. <laughs> Probably you. Probably Man, me. That
0: Seawolf guy has gotta be really ticked off now that he, I think he is. That, that he thinks is his music. He
1: could not being Seawolf, he could be reaping the rewards of having been in porn. So I, I was like, what can we do? Okay, we could, we'll we ask them, they, they said, we'll ask them if we can. If they can take your name off. So they, they contacted, the comp- contacted the company, the company was very kind and said, we'll be glad to take the name off. It'll take us about a month to re-edit the video, but we'll take the name right off the website. Um, so they re-edited the video and um, that's the last I heard of it for a while, but I was still getting the occasional email from people that were Googling the lyrics and finding the song because mm-hmm. after that, my name wasn't on it. Then... It went free. It landed on like the YouTube of porn sites, oh. and then it landed on another one. So at this point, I think it's got at least three million views, and because of that, I had the, my YouTube video has gotten like twenty thousand views. That's, yeah, just I saw from that. people googling the lyrics, and like because of that, not just the dudes who found it while while <laughs> surfing the web conscientiously not the to
0: budget out online porn into their their monthly uh, right. financial restraints
1: yeah. it's not those people it's transcended like it's it's, ta- it's it's passed from those people's hands into the hands of other human beings like maybe their their unknowing girlfriends right and all of a sudden i'm getting like comments from people all over the place And next thing i know some station in the philippines has me they're running a commercial with my song a song by al city and a song by some really popular uh, hip-hop and r&b artist i can't remember who it was and it was like who wins between these, it's a very American sounding radio station too, but it's like the FM, like drive time, right. top 40 station in the Philippines. And um, I I found out that this show was playing me and I wrote on their Facebook wall. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'll send you guys some CDs to hand out or whatever. And then somebody like, wrote, like, he wrote on your wall. <laughs> you know? So it was just like, it was a, it was a fascinating. And you're like,
0: Ashley, we're moving to the Philippines. We're moving to the Philippines.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's it's been like weird. It's like, the only thing I can say that, I mean, it has made, you know, my iTunes sales have gone from like a few bucks to like about 300 bucks a month. Hey. Just from the stupid porn, you know?
0: Wow. And Is, it, do, So have you got any more money from it streaming on all those other sites or do you no. just get the flat? Because it's just like, it's like Napster or YouTube oh, when somebody, uh, yeah.
1: you know, when somebody, somebody puts, b- yeah.
0: steals it and they can put it on anything. Yeah.
1: So it got most of the attention after somebody stole it. But I mean, the, the comments, I mean, if you have a, uh, if you have a... If if you're not offended by language mm-hmm. and lots of innuendo, um, if you look up the elephant by Aaron Robinson on YouTube, there's a version that the the one that I did has the funniest comments.
0: That's an odd choice of a song. I would say you are not odd choice or an artist for pornography. <clears throat> yes, I, 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 I am. I should just call you're it. right. I should just call it <laughs> porn because pornography makes it sound like it like it's art or something. But it's I, that graphy part. I know. Man. it is. It's true. But. There, you seem like an odd choice, but that song in particular like- sounds like a weird, because it's, it's a really heartfelt, softer song. I think it's those weird tribal drums in the beginning.
2: <laughs> I will fall asleep tonight against the will of the world. Because peace is not a gift Nor a feeling, a feeling I deserve Still it comes to me each night Despite a war inside our heads And I see between our bodies Cold and old inside this bed and you were the mother to my love But I grew up a runaway When I was drowning in the storm You reached out and pulled me ashore Oh no, oh no, oh no That's but the What
1: I'll say is the video is like 14 minutes long. The yeah. song runs. the oh, first okay, three, okay. The f- song runs the first three minutes, and there's no audio after that at all. Well, there's audio. <laughs> <laughs> there's no musical
0: audio after. That. Noted. Uh, that, but that, yeah, I would, that's so I would interesting say interesting to me.
1: I would say the general gist of it is primarily some heated foreplay.
0: Yeah, that's just fascinating. It's a fascinating choice from a, whoever edited that video. There's no standpoint. standpoint. They just. Don't. Well, you know, the guy yeah. who the guy whose job is to. Not pick his nose for two minutes to pick out a song, you know, it, 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 to, to put well, in it.
1: I have a theory as to how they chose the song. I think when they went into the, it's like Getty Images yeah. uh, runs the site, and I think you can just go in and type search terms. I think they just typed in "sexiest song ever." <laughs> I mean, that's that's the only I can think of because yeah, it's and, up there.
0: And so <laughs> maybe they were like, maybe the first draft of the porn script was like elephant sex, and, yeah. and then they and then. Right, and then it, you know, they're like, "We'll go with humans," but before, they... no trunk jokes, no. <laughs> okay, and then they, and they wrote that they were like elephant song, and then yours came up, and they were like, "Perfect." Can I just tell you, Nick, that
1: I am really proud to be the first PG rated podcast, member, but to, to to push it into the PG land.
0: Oh, we have, yeah, yeah. Have oh.
1: you have you prior to this? Um, I guess we'll find out.
0: No, this will be the fifth one to go up. Okay. Um. Whenever it goes up. Yeah, this will there I have one going up this week and then this'll be the next one. Uh yeah, this is this is definitely the most PG. I figured that I could bring that to the yeah, show. Yeah, That's why yeah. I wanted to have you on. I need I need edgier talent. <laughs> you know, and so Yeah well. <laughs> I first came, I think, to know who you were because I came to Nashville on through on tour before I lived here and went and killed time at a record store. And you know this story, but mm-hmm. I killed time at a record store and a guy at the counter was like hey, you're the guy from uh, the band, the the baseball band. And uh, I was like, no, uh, no. And I had to remember, I had to think. I was like, how far do I go along with this? Um, (laughs) He was like, yeah, you know, uh, imaginary baseball league, that's you, right? And I was like, no, no. And he was just like, oh, you look just like that guy. And so, of course, I looked this guy up and we do look similar. Yeah. Mainly uh, mainly because of our hairlines and our glasses, I think. Which, bushy hairline yeah bushy huge like really really low on the forehead abnormally low on the forehead yeah
1: I practically connect to the eyebrows
0: and then our glasses are those oversized clown glasses that they give away at Six Flags we have to, we just wear everywhere don't say Six Flags because I have been told I to look like that guy from the Six Flags ad <laughs> well because you're bald Which is like I have glasses he does doesn't he he does giant, gigantic that, did ones. you know that's a woman great might have made that up I but don't I actually, can't well
1: that I have been called ma'am about 75% of the time I go through
0: drive-thrus or call customer service so this is all making sense. <laughs> but anyway, so I look, I looked up your band and then uh, on pure volume, Hello 2003. Wow. Yeah, and and did you check Iuma? <laughs> I checked MP3.com and, and there and and it was great and I really I got into it through there and then I and then you came to Arkansas and played a show and the guy uh, who booked the venue randomly asked me to play and that was and I remember hanging out with you because that was kind of a disaster of a show. It was
1: well. Every time I played there, it was a disaster. Well, because every me night, too. We play, every night, we, too. every night we, that I ever played there, Lucero and Cordy Brandon had played the night before. and Eight
0: thousand people had been there, dude. In quotation should, marks, you should have been here last night. There were eight thousand people, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Why weren't you here? Oh wait, I didn't book you. Oh, I th- oh man. Next, you next, next time. time. Next time, you come through. <laughs> now, um, do I still have to pay you? Oh, oh my gosh! I know. Oh, I've I dealt with that guy so much. I always got paid though, and I and I was the I felt bad because I was the guy that drove, you know, thirty minutes to get there, and everybody else that had played the show had, was on tour. But anyway, nine hours. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you were in the band of imaginary baseball league, mm-hmm. which was kind of a because was kind of a big band for a while in, in town, as far as what I what I gather. We 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 did pretty well. Like it, it was. It started out in
1: Murfreesboro, and I don't think that we realized that people were going to like us as mm. much as they did, and I think Murfreesboro especially
0: was very, very discerning. Which is a college town about yeah. 30 minutes away. Yeah, I
1: mean, like, the the bands that were kind of going there, I mean, like, if you were like an instrumental, like, kind of proggy, indie, math rock band, you could actually have a pretty good audience there. It was kind of a mm. hard, it was a very, there was a lot of musicians there, the number one most populated major at the university there was recording industry, so you are loaded with all of these techie, smart people and musicians and it was just a hard market to crack you know right. it, i i didn't i didn't think that people would like us and then i was just kind of blown away that like it didn't take very long but people people got into it and uh, cuz i had virtually i'd been in another band prior to that but we didn't really take off and um i wasn't even really very confident in in my songs until mm-hmm. all of a sudden people started coming to the shows and how was the move from Murfreesboro to Nashville? Like, how
0: did it? How did the shift of fan base happen?
1: Well, Nashville's always compared to Murfreesboro. If you look at it, you kind of think of it as like, think of it as like Athens, Georgia, to Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, uh, Nashville is just slicker. Everything that was going on here at the time was more polished, more produced. Like you didn't have a lot of indie bands per se, which now you have like just scads and scads of them. You know. And what year was this? Was this, this was like two thousand two, two thousand three. Okay, and then. So, um, we started playing in Nashville, and, it went, and and eventually, by like 2004, when we put out uh, Revive, mm-hmm. the full length, like that, We I remember we did our CD release show at this place called Blue Sky Court, which is now the Rutledge, mm-hmm. and it was um, way less nice back then, but it was like, we, I mean, it was us and Airlines, Band Airline, that had been around, and like, it, oh, yeah. like, it was like 500 people or something, I mean, it was like a... We had a few really, really good shows, and we had lots of people come out, and it was
0: a lot of fun. That's no small feat for Nashville, and as I well know. like It's it's hard to get people to care about music here, because it's most of people's jobs, and they don't want to leave their job to go to a, their job. You know what I mean? I think, when you looked at our age and who we appealed to at the
1: time, I think there was a, a lot of kids that were starting college, and um, it, we, we were notoriously known for not having a very heavy drinking crowd. Okay. Um, and so so, so you, it wasn't necessarily All Ages, because we, really, we only played one All Ages show, to my knowledge, like uh, that was actually at an All Ages club. But everything else, like... We just... We, it was a lot of college kids, a lot of Belmont, Vandy, MTSU kids. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it at the time, like it was kind of like... The indie rock scene was only a few bands in my memory. Now, maybe I'm just making that up. But there was a lot of kind of slick bands, and then a few like really kind of indie bands that, that wore their heart on their sleeve, and they really... You really could feel what they were doing, and I think that we worked out that way.
0: And I, you know, it was a good time. With the success of of uh, Imaginary Baseball League, um, did you find that when you started doing stuff? Because after that, you started doing stuff kind of on your own. Did you find that your your fan base could find you easily? And how, how was kind of the shift from full band to solo artist?
1: It was disappointing, and I think it's because when you when you take a sort of I don't want to say iconic because it's not iconic but a memorable right band name and a, ba- and, a and a band that people knew as imaginary baseball like, they didn't know us as Aaron Keith Ben and Ryan like, right and um when you drop all that off and you come out in your Aaron Robinson in a in a town just chock full of Aaron Robinson's dudes Steve Stevens's and everybody else that has a name and i and i remember being completely turned off to this dude songwriters with dude names right. i just didn't care yeah. i was like i don't want to hear that guy and um suddenly i came out as like my name and the the fan base as as a group definitely did not translate over but there were people that that definitely showed up to the shows and you know it just it was definitely a different scene altogether and the music was kind of different too mm-hmm. i mean even though i was even playing some of the same songs in some contexts and so with some bands um it was, it was definitely, it was definitely hard and a little disappointing. I will totally admit to that.
0: What's the as far as writing style goes? What what was the the major differences between writing, and bringing something to a band and writing just for you? Well, as
1: I think most song, songwriters would say, um, I don't necessarily know. Well, I'm not like um, like a buddy Kyle Andrews I have here in town who's mm-hmm. great and he he can build a song from the ground up, and lyrically, musically, melodically. Technically, everything sounds great. I'm not that. I'm never going to be that. Like, and so for me, what I imagine the song to be, um, I can't do it myself in a lot of instances. I don't really feel like I have the skill or the musicianship or anything to be able to pull it off by myself. If it's just me, it's not going to probably reach its potential. And I have a hard time communicating even ideas to people as to how, you know what is I hear in my head. And I think with going into a band like Imaginary Baseball League, I may have said, and I know that I said. I think this part sounds like it could be like this or like that, but nobody listened to me, you know. And I don't mean that to 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 to, to make a joke on them. I mean like yeah. th- them not listening to me, you know. If that's what actually was happening, um, probably made the songs better, you know. It made them find what 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 they did, and it was an elite lowest common denominator thing. And I think with trying to write songs post band, it was. Um, I mean, I guess I actually kind of went into a band where it was sort of a similar setup where people were kind of writing their parts. But after that little brief band, Young Professionals, mm-hmm. I went and did the solo thing and um, I did not know what I was doing. And My stuff was coming out like really folksy Americana stuff because that's what you do when you sit around with an acoustic guitar. I mean, I'm, I've never been one of these people to, um,
0: I don't know, I, I don't sit around with like a synthesizer and write a song. Right. You know, so... End, you my, write with that in mind when you're writing, when you're in, like, when you had IBL or Young Professionals, do you write, okay, there's a band that needs to be, so I need to write this part more chunkier, this part. No. Or do you just write it however it comes out and then let the band form all of that later?
1: I think um, you, you definitely, just through writing it and if you record your own demo, you sort of you sort of make a bed for it, you know. And you, And I found that a lot of times, you know, drummers particularly hate when you come in and you're the songwriter and your song goes dun 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 that's like just, I mean, it, because it, it just it's so limiting from a writing a part standpoint, but it's like when you're writing by yourself, you you basically have to sort of create the band within what you're doing
2: we thought about it that night, on the car ride, to the auditorium
0: like we could talk a lot about but i really wanted to get in because i found it's really fascinating um this new ep that you that you just put out and we'll put the we'll put the link up so people can go to that but uh it's called a dying art and that song specifically um came out of well talk about what what that song came out of and kind of the the trip that surrounded that Mm -hmm. and everything
1: well um like you I also like pop culture, uh-huh. and one day, uh, I guess I was flipping through On Demand, and I came across a television series on uh, Sundance. What was it called? One Punk Under God. One Punk Under God, which was the story of J- uh, Jay Baker, the son of the famed, fallen minister Jim Baker, and so um, I started watching it, and I found it interesting. He's like this kind of down-to-earth, you know... Tattooed punk rock looking guy who's a minister and trying to do his own thing and kind of unique and what his message is And um anyways, I'm I'm not particularly particularly religious But I've been I come from a religious town a religious background and it's something that's always in my mind It's always kind of loomed over me almost in sort of like a haunting like um, Kind of way and I think that anything to do with that just always is interested in me and I've never closed any doors and Know what to think about things and so when I can think about those things I find it interesting and so I got into this story of him and, um, you know, what it's like to have be, been raised in his family where they've had such a public fall from grace and right. have your whole world kind of turn upside down as a kid and have to go through growing up and figuring out who you are and your dad's in jail. And anyways, at some point early on in the series, he goes to the old theme park uh, retreat center called Heritage
0: USA, which was at the time... Because his dad and mom were like the top, a lot of people who, who are you know, alive now (laughs) or not alive now, but young, younger people don't probably don't know, but Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were like the top televangelists of their time. They were
1: like Joel Osteen.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. And I I wanted, I was going to say slightly more maybe cultish, but I don't know. The Osteen's kind of, I think it's just because,
1: yeah, I know. I think it's just because they had it. Like Tammy Faye had the crazy makeup and the eyelashes and all that
0: stuff. Yeah. it, It was ripe for, kind of parody yeah in the pop culture landscape and and they suffered from it yeah yes, they, they definitely. definitely
1: did and I think um, and then he got
0: involved in some a uh, sex scandal with a secretary
1: yeah and then, and there's that and then that's not really what really truly brought him down and that, that, that was sort of a public was there financial to, stuff too yeah supposedly okay. booking uh, booking hotel rooms that didn't exist and stuff like that trying to sell these lifetime partnerships to the to the uh, ministry that um, apparently allegedly couldn't be fulfilled mm-hmm. and uh Anyways, this but they game, had a theme park. Yeah, they had a theme park that was the third most visited um, vacation retreat in the entire United States wow. behind Disneyland and Disney World. So, so it was huge. And like, wow. they, I mean, and so, um and early on in this series, Jay Baker goes and visits Heritage USA, and I and I just couldn't believe it was there. I was like, what? Are, what is this? Like, it was like modern ruins. And like, truly, there's nothing more fascinating to me than modern ruins. Oh. I mean. I would not be nearly as impressed with the actual, like, Parthenon as I would be, like, an old mall that closed in 1989 that's just never been never been messed with. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just fascinating. So, but it's not just that. I mean, like, the story is just there. Like, it was ground zero for the whole story, and um, it's a sad story, and it just really got to me, and I went there, um, decided to go there, and just walk around, and I experienced the place, and a lot of it had been torn down there was still a lot of it there though and it was um you could i mean there are old electrical boxes just still in the ground in a field that probably powered like a ride or like a who knows
0: what and um was it seized by the government or something like no. why why is hasn't somebody torn it down and made it something else
1: well they have uh, to some degree, now there's actually a um a, like a very famous faith healer that practices out of the uh, main hotel building there, and also it's mm-hmm. a church called Morning Star Ministries, and um, I don't really know what they do or what they stand for, but and they, the the PR person or whoever it was that I talked to was really nice and basically just told me to come walk around and do whatever I wanted to, and um, so it was really cool. You could you couldn't get into like closed slash boarded up buildings or anything, right? But um, I really just got a I felt like I got a real like understanding for like what must have gone on there. I just, like, felt it. Like, I felt connected with it. And, like, um, also, you know, growing up and having, like, a dad that was kind of aloof personally and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like, not to be, like, um, I don't want to sound like a member of Stained or something no. like, I hate my dad! Because <laughs> I don't. But, uh... That's a good song. I like that. It one. is a good song. Um, but I think... I just... I identify with, with him, with Jay, and I went there and I just kind of... Um, I got a hotel room and I just went there and absorbed it all and I went and tried to write and um, actually was able to write a couple songs that are on the EP um, in the three days that I stayed there I think in the hotel and um, it was a a fun experience. I mean it was fun and it was sad and it was weird and it was lonely and it was everything. It was just really strange.
2: You held us in your hands With all your power So steady on your land And it was ours Who knew we'd be as fine As the sand of an island We never felt it ourselves slipping But you were more than mine You were everybody's A little drunk on power's wine your duty and when you fell off your pedestal no one came running no one forgiving it's like a dying on a kiss it's like a dying
1: And having remembered that story too as a kid, I mean I remember him being I remember Jim Baker being taken out of whatever building he was in, I guess maybe the courtroom, and he Mm -hmm. was just crying and he was in cuffs and it was like I remember just being like that just looks pathetic. I mean it looks so sad. And but at the same time, you thought he had done something wrong and you just kinda felt like okay, you get what you deserve or whatever. And then when you read into it a little bit more, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that he didn't do this or that, but there's more to the story. And if you and if you read Jay Baker's autobiography, there's really more to the story when you when you consider what he had to go through and what the family had to go through, and like you know it just like touched me like I mm-hmm. can't explain it other than that it just it really just got got to me and uh I needed to uh to somehow do something with it i mean and honestly, as I get older, you know I'm over thirty now i I'm not loaded with teen angst anymore right I'm not going around like manufacturing drama for myself to mm-hmm. uh or, or or whatever, I guess I guess this probably would be manufactured drama, if you think about it, but I'm not living through a sad and twisted life of a young twenty something so it, songwriting songwriting is different than it used to be, yeah, it's not always about you know, I got smacked in the face today, and I'm gonna write a song tomorrow about that, right you know? right now, you know, if I do that, then it'll be like I'll write a song about how um I don't like being expected to do the laundry, you know,
0: yeah, which is not very exciting, no, not really. But it, it it is where it is what it is, which is a phrase that I hate. Um, <laughs> and I, and you're you're one of these guys that I, I I don't think I've made like a mix CD for somebody that I haven't put one of your songs on. Um, so we should hold hands. Now. We should. Uh, thanks. No, but like Thank honestly, you. like I, you just have a writing style that, and you know all this because I've told you many times over the years. You Bill, can tell like, me again. Uh, <laughs> I I genuinely get excited when you when you put something out or you send me a demo or something. Um, some of your demos that you just made in your house have, are my, some of my favorite recordings because you have a raw and authentic quality to <clears throat> your voice and your songwriting. But all that to say, you have, you have a personal touch to everything you do. Like you, you can obviously tell that you were feeling something and you need, and you got it out in our, in an artistic way through songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to. I had a phrase, a question out of this, but, uh, it's okay. Other, other than just a stream of compliments, but no, but how, <laughs> when you, when you go into it, do you sit down to, to, uh, cause I know you don't want to get too personal because, because it might, you know, hurt the feelings of people involved or whatever, but how do you kind of mask it enough while still getting out what you truly need to get out for you to go to sleep that night or whatever, just to express yourself without, alienating yourself from a situation that you might have been in with with a person. Cuz you write you do write a lot of kind of relational yeah. stuff and what is a, what is life but like relationships with people. That is it. I mean, you know, I mean, if you can,
1: I mean, if I I guess I have written about sitting around in my office by myself, but that's yeah. more about being lonely and depressed that I'm not
0: out with other people. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Cuz a lot of people don't know how to do that. A lot of people are just like this person sucks and I am mad wha- yeah and you know and
1: well I think that the point the, the point is the greater feeling the the, the I and let me see if I can find a way to answer this if you love someone or if you care about someone then you realize that whatever it is that you're upset about is does not define them it doesn't you know what I mean mm-hmm. so if, if you feel like you're in a situation where you something has moved you to write a song or you you, you want to get out some feelings you want to get out some tension and maybe it does involve someone that you love or whatever you have to sort of go at it with the idea that in my opinion that what has happened or what has gone on does not make you not love this person anymore or whatever I guess Jesus this is hard to answer but I will say that that basically you you, you can't let the 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 heightened feelings um spoil what you already what you know to be true about your relationships with people mm. and so like yeah, this may move you to write a song about it, but, like, the way I always look at it is, if I ever have written a song, like, for instance, you know, there's a couple times where, you know, Ashley and I, my fiancé, like, if we have, like, an argument or whatever, sometimes, you know, uh, one time I remember writing a, specifically writing a song where, you know, we'd had an argument or whatever, and it was just, like, I was by myself in the kitchen, and I was, wah, you know, like, Mm. woe is me, and, like, it's just silly, you know, when I think about it, but it's, like, by the end of that song, where... Reunited and running through the streets and yeah. everything is great because that's what we should be doing. You know what I mean? And it, not even to say that that she's wrong or I'm wrong or whatever. It's just like there are distractions in life and when it comes to relationships, I think you have to have the, the, the understanding that... You, I also think you have a responsibility to people too. I don't think that you air too much like Dirty Laundry. I personally don't think you do. I mean, you can... I
0: don't know. Have you have you had periods where you did and you learned from that? Or did yeah. you just learn from watching other people?
1: Yeah, I think that when you, um, for instance, um, you know, a couple times, like, again, just being being in a relationship with somebody for a really long time and you have a stupid fight, you know, and, and, like, life is not that earth-shattering. Again, like I said, you know, like, you're in a long-term relationship, you love each other, but sometimes things, you know, get silly. and you, um, So you write a song about it and you're like, you know what? What good did that really do? I mean, I got it out and i got through the frustration of it but like it it's not like going to make them feel good you know right. so yeah and i think i think that it's things like that that led me to sort of be interested in saying you know this this sto- this situation with the baker family for instance is really interesting to me and i think i can say something far more prof- profound if i try to dissect and understand what's going on here than if i'm just saying you you know like i'm kind of sad and mad at you now And, uh, even if I do like steer it on back to like, we should be happy and loving and that, you know, to me, it's just like, say something, say something important. I don't know. Right. That's just kind of what, and maybe that, maybe it's not, it shouldn't all be about trying to break ground and
0: just, I don't know. Sometimes you just need to get a song down to get a song out. Like there's no. Yeah. And and it can help break a writer's block for sure. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, which I have frequently I frequently
0: have, yeah, um, which is strange to me because I feel like, um when you do write you're you're pretty prolific, like i mean i I had for a long time, I had all these demos and and just stuff that you sent me, and then stuff that you would release too, and I, and I was like, Aaron has a lot of songs, and
1: I don't feel that way at all,
0: really, I mean, yeah. especially lately,
1: I mean I don't write a, I don't write that often, and it's take it's taken a different set of circumstances to really to really move me and motivate me to write in recent in the recent last couple of years. And I, I think that's been, that's actually the last two years, I think have been probably the most, the, I've learned the most about myself as a songwriter in the last year or two. And I think that makes me hopeful for the future. Yeah. You know? But, um, because it's not all about how I feel all the time. It's not, you know, um, it, it's, it's not always about that. You know, it's, you know, you, you, you need to be able to understand, to, to find some understanding of, the human condition. That's not just your human condition, you know? Right. And, um, I think that you do that well. Find Other people, what do I do? <laughs> no, I mean, I think that you have a, I think that you do a good job of seeing the world and translating it to song. And you also do a very good job. This is called kissing the podcast was but, but you do a good job of, 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 uh, doing all of this and then having upbeat fun songs. I have no idea how to have
0: upbeat, fun songs unless they are filled with expletives. <laughs> though, though, honestly, those songs are the hardest ones to write. They're, it's really hard because when you, especially because I write on an acoustic guitar, and when you write on an acoustic guitar, what comes out is what comes out. Like it, because it, it is a softer, more intimate instrument, yeah. and so it, it, it's really hard. And I, you know, to to, and me specifically, because there are artists who <clears throat> make their living and their art around being another character or being like more vague and, and kind of grandiose. And I'm not, I'm very, what you see is what you get. And, and so I, I'm trying to, but I have many sides like everybody does to my personality. Mm-hmm. And, and I want all of them to come through when, when right. anybody gets a record of mine, whether it's, or unless it's specifically designed to be its own entity and, and tell a story on its own in a narrative way. I I want somebody to grab it and then meet me and be like, Oh yeah, this guy wrote the, that stuff. And, and, in-
1: I think my, my instinct is to be more, um, I don't know what my instinct is, but I don't think it's to, I don't think it's to appear (laughs) well-rounded. I I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like, I mean, maybe from us, from a production standpoint and from, you know, making the songs fit together and giving it some scope, but from Mm us, from it, when it comes to subject matter, I mean, I do want it to be well-rounded, but I, but, but I like sad songs and I like, I like dark songs and I like, I mean, it's what moves me I, get, I mean, I get more pumped. Like, when I first started dating Ashley, for instance, she could not handle the stuff that I was playing in the car all the time. <laughs> it was like, just, you know, here's this band Low, Ashley. Listen to this. And it's, like, slow core, like, slow droning, yeah. depressing, you know, depending upon who you are, music. And it was, like, it was that was what I was listening to. And, like, that's just what moves me still to this day. I mean,
0: Which is funny, because I remember the first band that you showed me when we first started hanging out was... Uh... Or the first record was uh, "If You're Feeling Sinister" by Bill and Sebastian. I think it was that one. Or it was, it was one of those with yeah. it was really super upbeat. And I, I didn't. I was just like. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was actually "Dear Catastrophe Waitress." Yeah, that's what it was. It was yeah. the cuckoo. Song. Yeah, I'm a cuckoo. Yeah, that one. And I was. I was just like, what is this? I was like, and it was yeah. so upbeat and so happy, and 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 you were just like bopping along with it, and I and I was like, I'm very surprised that this is something that he would listen to, just from listening to your music. It is a little bit. It's more subdued. But then. Subdued. You,
1: but then but then the reason that I love that song is it does something that I don't know how to do. And that is mm. make the most joyful sounding song and then have the lyrics be breaking off his misery. I yeah. see a wilderness for you and me, you know, it, it's like, it, it's one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. <laughs> and it, it could, it sounds like an absolute celebration. I mean, it's just yeah. like, it sounds like the happiest, like Thin Lizzy song ever. And yeah. it actually even references Thin Lizzy in the song. I don't know. It's, and that, that's what I love about that album and like about that band in general is that, that like, some people think that, you know, Bell and Sebastian sounds like little dancing fairy music or whatever. And for me it's like some some of it, not all of it, but some of it is like some very profound, deep, dark songwriting mm-hmm. and sad subjects set in a way that sometimes are dark and sad, but most of the time are kinda of happy sounding. Yeah. So that's something that I find genius and very difficult to pull off.
0: Yeah, oh I agree. Who are some uh who are some artists that people might be surprised to hear by hear by your through your music, like <clears throat> that you're into um
1: probably like or maybe that
0: you're surprised that you got into <laughs> recently i think
1: uh i've really gotten into the tallest man on earth mm-hmm. and i think that part of it is his guitar playing just makes me mad because i can't do it and it's oh, awesome and it's he and um i don't yet know if his lyrics are good there's a lot of them there's a lot of them and he says a lot of things in songs that sound like they belong in songs. Oh, I know. But I can't always tell if they're actually saying much. And it's mainly because that, that's the disconnect right now. You don't go out, I mean, I don't go out and buy physical records much mm. anymore. So I, I'd love to just sit down with his lyrics, which is something I have yet to do. But, but I really like him. And, uh, but as far as stuff that I, to be surprised that I like, probably not that much. Most importantly, though, the lyrics in the end, if it's going to stick with me. The lyrics have to be great, you know? I mean it's just, yeah it's just there's too many there's too many beautiful, melodic, hooky songs that don't have anything going on lyrically, you know. As
0: being a musician and more specifically a songwriter, does it has it ruined like just casually listening to music for you? Is that over? Is that like taking the blue pill and the matrix and you're just and it's done? But and there is a little bit of that when you're a musician where you know Pet peeves emerge where you didn't realize oh, yeah. like you can't just enjoy. I used to judge people who would say, "I just listen to what's on the radio," and and because I secretly hated them because I couldn't do that. You know, yeah, you have to. You can enjoy what you enjoy, but also you can't just listen. You know, if, if there's a well, song going on in a restaurant. Where mm-hmm. I'm at, I'm dissecting it. Or I'm, like oh, I'm totally. like, oh, this song is driving me nuts. I know,
1: I can't sit down. I can't be in a restaurant and be talking to somebody and not think at least a little bit about what the
0: song is playing. Yeah, and or, as far or as make the, a comment about it.
1: And as far as the people that only listen to the radio and then just go up what's what's on the radio, I openly hate them. <laughs> and, uh, because they're lazy. As
0: well you should.
1: And and I don't necessarily blame them. And no. I probably don't hate them. You know, that's But the, you might. A, a few of them. Yeah, But I think I, I, I hate... The, the system Ronnie. that's created that sort of way of oh, yeah, thinking, I you know, obviously. That, yeah. But I mean, I do, I do have more pet peeves, and I definitely listen to stuff and and and, and pick it apart from the get from the get go. And unless it bowls me over, which doesn't happen a lot anymore, I think that when I first heard like *Tallest Man on Earth*, I mm-hmm. was like, I think that was the 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 effect it had on me was that um, the guitar playing was great, the voice was unique, lyrically it sounded like something was going on, and. Um, every single song seemed to have would be melodically satisfying and interesting. And so like that just doesn't happen much anymore with me. Like I don't usually yeah. get that excited by much at all. And it takes, it takes a while. And you know, I think that also comes from, um, you, you do get older and you do get a little jaded and, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm super jaded cause I do like new music and I'm constantly, I'm semi constantly looking for it, but right. Um, I th- I like finding artists that are, 40 or 50 something years old and I somehow have never heard them. Yeah. You know, and maybe they were making music when I was 10. Um, Maybe that was with their heyday or whatever. But when I find like an artist that has an album or a handful of songs, even, even if it's just a few little nuggets of genius and it happened like before me or they're old, it just resonates with me so much more than if like a bunch of 23 year old bearded dudes come out there with their like plunging V-necks and like just slay. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't. And that's, you know, that's fine. If you want to wear a plunging v-neck and you have a beard, that's cool. But I'm old and like, I'm just, it's hard to, it's hard to make me happy.
0: I, you got to do more than that. I'm trying, Aaron. I'm trying. <laughs> I, I actually like your shirt. Just you know? get, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I uh I, I go through the, I feel like the older I get, I go through these long stretches. They get longer as the older I get. Or I just want to listen to the stuff that I, that I've always listened to. And I, I don't care totally. about anything. It it just it's part. It's just overwhelming. It's scientific and it, too. And it, is it? There have you, there in the research. St- there have been studies
1: that basically confirm that like there's a moment in your late twenties, on average, maybe 27, mm-hmm. 28, 29, where your your mind sort of unplugs and disengages from what is happening, and what is cool and what is trendy and what is whatever, and you you start you, wearing
0: your cell phone on your belt loop. Is that in there too?
1: <laughs> yeah, that. Or, or you, you wear a cell phone and you also are constantly um, uh, buying larger and larger pants. Right. Um, but <laughs> I think... More pleats. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, it, it happens. And that's why when you were growing up or when I was growing up, my mom listened to the Carpenters and the Bee Gees because she grew up on the par- Carpenters and the Bee Gees. And that was like, when she was young and like really, really into into that stuff, that's what really, she really, she really loved. And... Um, you know, she was less inclined to go out and buy the new Belva DeVoe album, for instance.
0: I don't know why not. I don't either. Have you heard it? It's uh, it, great.
1: <laughs> it's good. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that that happens to everybody. And I think that it's it's a it's a struggle not to do it. And I ever since literally reading about some of that stuff, I have actively tried. Like I will, even if I don't have a friend recommending me anything, I will I will listen to the to what Amazon recommends to me. Yeah. Just to be able to know that I gave something a chance, you know, and I found some artists, you know, by doing that. That's how I found local natives and the tallest man on earth. Mm-hmm. So, um, just by listening, by looking at literally digitally suggested recommendations and um, I think you have to do that or else you're just gonna,
0: you're just gonna get boring and bored. And I will, I'll, at the same time, like I'll come out of that and just be like, I gosh, I need something new. Mm-hmm. Just one new thing. I feel like every year I have at least one or two new bands that, yeah, that are on my radar now and a lot of times they'll, they'll lose me kind of by the next record, but at least, you know, right? W- but whatever that is, or, or I'll just be like, I'm just going to wait until this band puts out a new, like this band that I already love puts out something new and then see, right. see what happens from there. Totally. But we're old.
1: I do a lot of that. Yeah. I sound really pissed on that. I thought I sound like totally. <laughs> and that's like, I think I went in with the actual like active feeling
0: in my mind. Like, don't sound jaded and or old. I, you come off more honest than, than jaded.
1: I think... I hope whatever, so. Whatever that's but right. I, but I think for me at this point, look, all things considered, when you look at everything that I've done and everything that I've listened to and everything that... I, I, I just, from now on, all I want to do, and this is nothing to do with the question that you asked... That's okay, go. ...is I just want to make... The music that I make, I want it to be music that I like. I just want to be able... I don't care who buys it. I, Honest to God, I don't care who buys it. I will work a day job for the rest of my life if I can just get done with the project and mm. like it. If I can listen to it and not pick over it to the degree that... And, and you're always going to pick over it. You're always going to be self-conscious about things. But, you know, I say that, but no. I know plenty of bands who have made records and go, I, we made a record that rules. And you may look three years down the line and go, you know that song or this song or whatever song we wouldn't do now, but like I just want to make something that I like. Yeah, and I've, I I think that to this day, I have not really done that. Really, I mean there are mo- there are moments I like, there are
0: things that I like, but I've never been wholly satisfied with anything. How Im- how immediate is the dissatisfaction once it comes out or once um, it's finished?
1: Well, it usually stems from the struggle because there's, there's a struggle in coming up with everything and putting it together and then you have to deal with, like I you, you're talking about the demos mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a really good example of what happens because it's like yeah the average person hears the end result after the demo like I have a demo we work it through it with a band the band like makes it big and does all this stuff to it but and maybe this is just something that happens with me specifically because the bands always do a great job but I feel like at some point through the repetition through all that stuff there is something lost and I feel like I never am that satisfied with, like, what I bring to the table in the end. And I think that when you go back to the demo, it may not be a perfect performance, but I feel like the feeling is right. Yeah. The thing is there. And I think that, like, that's why I put a demo on Bandcamp, like, yeah. last week or whatever. Because yeah, I was like, did that. I let it sit around for a couple months and um, realized that, yeah, it was a little long. Yeah, it was this or it was that. Um, yeah, I'm not the greatest recording engineer in the world, but I was satisfied with it. It sounded like I felt it should sound. It, yeah so I f- I, and so so I was like, you know what? How often am I actually satisfied with something? I'm just gonna give it to people yeah. and 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 see what happens. and you know I mean, so so that's I just want to make something that I like and I want to be able to know that I did it right and I don't want have any I don't have any regrets or
0: anything. That's sort of what I want to do. It's a very, it's a nice, that's a really, yeah, that's a really cool thing. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, I mean, that's a total win. I mean, in a a business that that has a lot of losses, that's kind of, that's, that is a cool, like at the end of the day, which is another phrase I hate, uh, at the end of the day, man, it is what it is. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just got an aneurysm when you said that. Oh, well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking. This is, this is great. It's no
1: problem, man. It's no problem. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm sorry if I talked too much about myself.
0: <laughs> that, that was the idea. I think. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to hear some more of Aaron's music, you can check out facebook.com slash Aaron Robinson music or aaronrobinson.bandcamp.com and you can grab his new EP there. It's entitled A Dying Art, uh, which I highly recommend you do. It's currently downloadable as you name the price so really you can't you can't go wrong there uh it's pretty awesome and also he's been posting uh demos and new songs there as well um mostly for free so seriously great chance to check out a great artist and uh, if you want to get a hold of us at the podcast as always you can email us at who writes the stuff podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at who writes pod or on facebook at facebook.com slash who writes this stuff and have a great week